Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football right at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates, stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you the access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise now. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. State IPA is available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. We are in the middle of Penn State's bye week here in 2023. The number six Nittany Lions are currently undefeated and getting some much deserved rest and relaxation following what was a challenging road victory within the Big Ten against Northwestern this past Saturday. First of all, thank you so much to everybody that joined us for our first ever live recap, our live post game recap for Northwestern versus Penn State. We hope to do more of those soon and we'll keep you posted on when the next one is going to happen. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications, and rate us. We sincerely appreciate you guys. Uh, Justin, going into a week like this, you've experienced these bye weeks with, you know, uh, lower opponents on the other side of it or in the beginning of it. And you've experienced it as a player. You've experienced it as a part of the Penn State staff. What are these weeks like? Regroup, rejuvenation, regroup, and making sure that whatever problems arose at the beginning of the season that we get fixed from a mental standpoint, get to practice a little harder, probably up until Thursday or Friday. Typically get to go home as well. I go home to your hometown, get a little rest and relaxation with the the friends and family, and then you're right back at it. But you really want to like sharpen up everything that maybe was a little shaky for the first quarter of the season. Get nice practices and some more physical practices than you're used to. So you'll you're typically on the field for about two hours during a bye week, and then yeah, look to get out of there at the end of the week. 
Yeah, that seems to be uh, the the mindset, the coaches, uh, most of the coaching staff anyway, out on the recruiting trail. So trying to accomplish some things there. And as we talked about heavily following Northwestern is that this is a really good opportunity for Penn State to try to get healthy as much as they can in the next week, plus in the preparation for UMass, of course, at home, but then also on the road against Ohio State. Uh, we wanted to take this episode to answer a lot of the questions that you, the fans, the viewers, the listeners have been able to send in on social media or even on YouTube. So we want to, again, thank you guys for doing that because uh, there are a lot of questions we got to answer during the live show, but just some questions that have cropped up over the last few days and obviously a lot of concerns and uh, positives that came out of the Northwestern game. So, uh, Justin, I want to kind of just walk you through these. Um, first up is... Joe Gallagher, 1842, talking about Katron Allen, said, I hope uh, Katron is okay. Not much word out of Penn State on his injury. Right now, I'm not sure how they don't use Trey Potts as the co-equal starter. He has been stellar. Uh, to the point about Katron Allen, uh, I don't believe, as of the time we're recording this on Tuesday, that anything has been made public in regards to the injury status of Katron Allen. I know after the Northwestern game, that was something James Franklin was going to have to look into, nor do I believe he is really going to give anything in terms of information to the public out of a competitive advantage standpoint. He did uh, note that J.B. Nelson should be fine, so that's great. You give him some time to recover your, your left guard, and hopefully you see him for UMass. Uh, but I want to come to the point that Joe mentioned about uh, Trey Potts. Trey Potts has been a revelation here over the last three games. What do you think about seeing more of Trey Potts? I mean, I think you have to see him now that we have an injury on on hand with uh, Katron. But I don't know if you can say that he demanded that many more carries in the first four games with just the way that they were running the ball between Katron and Nick, who have proven track record. At Penn State, running behind this line and all those good things. But with that being said, every time he's come in, he's been extremely efficient. And just echoing from previous prior to the season, we were talking about the impact that he can have with the Long Boys. That sustainable, or I can't even say sustainable, but that reliable backup that comes in with level of experience and maturity in the running style and understanding how to make plays in the Big Ten. I mean, I think that's what we saw in that impact being so immediate right like when he comes in you have an injury nick singleton carrying the ball 20 times for the first 20 times for the first time this season and he's coming in having seven yards a clip making plays even when he splashed a little bit earlier with the with the pitch pass where he threw you know threw a touchdown just yeah, using him in different play. ways where he's coming in at critical moments and making those plays and that's what you expect from a veteran player right like just the longer that you're on the team with use some nfl um, sayings like the long running team, the more you're supposed to make those critical plays and less patience for younger players. So with that, I think he definitely has deserved or earned, I can't say deserved, earned some more playing time and some touches based on his productivity. Uh, just to, to look at his body of work so far this season, uh, 19 carries, 105 yards, not the greatest yardage total, but I mean, he's been used sparingly in, in mop-up duty, but five and a half yards a carry, a long of 20, and a touchdown. And I understand, again, a lot of this has been a mop-up duty, but how many Penn State fans have been clamoring for runs of 20 yards or more? Well, there's one. And then in the receiving <laughs> game, uh, two catches for 46 yards and uh, the touchdown that we saw, obviously, uh, this past week against Northwestern. And, oh, by the way, he's one for one in the passing game, that one completion being a touchdown uh, for 11 yards against Illinois. He's been a spark. He's been a Swiss Army knife. And at 5'9", about 220 pounds, 
he can just do a lot of things for you, which is great, and that he can be powerful on the inside. He's decisive with his cuts. So he's a really valuable guy to have, and this is his fifth year now altogether at the collegiate level, uh, previously with Minnesota. Uh, could have been the guy if he'd stayed and uh, been the heir apparent to Mo Ibrahim, who was very, very good uh, for Minnesota, but chose to go to Penn State. Perhaps part of his decision was the fact that Penn State could be a national title contender this year. Big Ten championship contender is certainly an argument, but I, I mean, personally, I, I'd like to see him utilize more because right now with question marks in terms of the wide receivers stepping up, who's going to be that guy to create a spark, you're getting productivity out of your running backs. You're getting productivity out of your tight ends. So why not lean in to the guy that's giving you something? I don't care where he is on the depth chart personally. No, I think when you do that running back back committee, that's the gift of it where you can plug someone in and there's not really a question of who's the starting guy like this. a been a running back by committee or a teammate with Nick and Catron. So, I mean, just add another ball carrier in here who actually has the highest yards per carry of the group. I mean, and a veteran running back in the big 10, it only makes sense at this point. Doesn't hurt. Uh, this is a question from at TK underscore one. Uh, Singleton looks like he's lost a step. He seems incapable of breaking through the line. What's going on with him? I don't know if I'd agree that he's lost a step, but there are certainly things that he needs to work on. Uh, Justin, how would you respond to that question? I would respond by saying like that's his running style. Like I think before I mentioned defenses are planning and game planning against these running backs a little bit different than when they were freshmen. I mean, even last year when he was going against six, five, six, seven man boxes, he wasn't interacting or engaging with a defender until about four or five yards down the field and he's a straight line dasher speed home run type of running back and those type of guys the main thing when you're playing defense against them is to stop them before they get started so i think there's been very few instances where he's been able to get his steam going downhill and rolling like his zero to five running style is a lot different than Catron. like Catron makes guys miss he's a little bit more bouncy off the of tackles and just his ability to make guys miss is a little bit different, I think, in close quarters than Nick Singleton's. Nick Singleton has breakaway speed and breakaway um, explosive play uh, DNA in him, but sometimes he needs a little bit of help from that zero to five frame to where he gets into the second level and making guys miss within close quarters. So I don't necessarily think he has to figure that out and understand how to become productive. So not to take any onus off of him, I don't think he's done anything wrong this year. I just think offenses have, I mean, defenses have been planning and game planning a little bit different um, against them. Last year, Nick looked like a guy who wanted to bounce things outside, could bounce things outside early on, at least in the season, and was able to have a lot of these explosive runs that Penn State fans are, are missing at this point in the year. Uh, obviously, defenses, defensive coordinators, teams have adjusted to him. Is that an instinctual thing that you just slowly have to work out of them of like, hey, you know, be be confident, follow your blockers, follow your reads and and stay between the tackles? Well, yeah, because sometimes you think about that where he might have bounced runs. He might not have he might should have not done that right where he just might have seen success from not going to the fundamental route, but just having a God gifted God gifted uh, ability to like, hey, break here and go here break outside and make a long run. And so sometimes when you think of that, again, that's why I used to kind of lean on sometimes Katron Allen's running style, just based on how things happen. Sometimes when you have a bounce runner or like a Nick Singleton, sometimes a defensive coordinator, all they have to do is show a Jersey 
to the outside. So you talk about show a jersey or show a jersey color when a running back's pressing a hole and they're coming up, they're just looking for green, like literally green space. Mm -hmm. So if you see opposite jersey color, like just flash, it doesn't even have to come, but like just flash, it immediately makes you go upfield. So I think a lot of times last year there was plenty of instances where he would peek and he would see green area and he had areas and alleys to bounce. I feel like, again, that's just a defensive game plan, but that's just coming down to like his elusiveness as a runner and continue to bake that in and look and see how to break those tackles. Cause he has to account for one of the unblocked men on defense regardless. But um, that's what I would say just about his running style. It may be just a little bit different between his, freshman year and a sophomore year. Cause I would say if he has an opening and he gets into the second level, I don't think it'll be any different. He will, he'll probably have an explosive run and he will not get caught. I think the thing that Penn state fans need to remember going forward, you know, we don't know necessarily what Katron Allen's availability is going to be as early as like the UMass game. We got to see Nick Singleton is still arguably your best offensive weapon. So getting him involved in the passing game the way that he did against Northwestern, six catches on six targets and a touchdown, I want to see more of that. If you can get him in space, it's something that you have said a lot about is that the passing game gets going, the running game is going to get going. So maybe that is going to be something they can lean on. I get that there's a new love affair with Trey Potts and with Katron Allen potentially injured. Yeah, of course you want to see the the next guy get some run. But like until the wide receivers step up and demand touches – I can see them leaning on Nick in a lot of uh, a lot of different ways. Uh, question here from at Doug Morris five two five. What is wrong with the offensive line? Unable to block, no running game. We've talked about the injuries, uh, specifically at left guard. Tangwall medically retiring. JB Nelson went down. In came Vega Yuane. So it's been a bit of a revol- revolving door at one particular position, but the offensive line has had their struggles. So what do you think the problem is? And you, like you said, you have some injuries at the beginning of the year, and I, I think defenses are playing them just a little bit different. And at the end of the day, offensive line is such a, a nuanced position where, I mean, these guys are working together. You can get blocks, get, get blocks, get combo blocks to the second level, but it's a, it's a married effort between them and the running backs, right? So, like, with that being said, I don't know if there's anything – completely wrong with the offensive line right now because I don't feel like the, the offense has just been I mean like Drew's been taking like super like crazy amounts of pressure every time he drops back or mm-hmm. Nick and Katron are getting hit four or five yards in the backfield it's just not necessarily the explosive run and dominating ground performance that we've seen in the past so I mean there's some things to clean up but I think when we talk about just new players stepping in there and getting game reps in these first four games. I mean, it's to be expected, especially again, and I want to emphasize that the defense does prepare and they've seen a whole season of how we used Nick and Catron last year. So they do make adjustments. Now it's our turn by week self scout and make those adjustments moving forward. Uh, you mentioned Drew Aller a question here from at Robert Adams, six, six, zero, six. Uh, we have some. We got some gifts on the two fourth down stops against Northwestern in Northwestern territory. Do you think Drew is checking down too much? I, he did check down a lot against Northwestern, but overall, I, I don't know if I lean that way. What do you think? Too much. I mean, sometimes it's what the defense is giving you, and yeah. it can be a byproduct of 
constantly doing that and you get into a rhythm of like, all right, no one's there, no one's there, and it's safe, right? Like, because you can start patting yourself on the back of not having any turnovers. And it's like, all right, I want to protect that. But to protect not having turnovers is also not attacking the big play or going for, you know, the jugular on explosive plays. So I think there's a double-edged sword to the turnover margin and praising him from the standpoint of not turning the ball over. I don't think you can then get on him for being a check down type of guy because that is just in the makeup. I mean, Tom Brady's one of the best court. I mean, the goat of all goats quarterbacks. And I don't think he's thrown the ball six yards further down the field in his past seven years of his career. So it just comes down to those decision-making things. And I don't know, it's a part of the makeup of that quarterback. You can pick what you want, right? Cause then I hear people complain about Sean Clifford when he was making bad passes or decision-making. And we had a lot of different explosive plays as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a give and take from that standpoint, but I'm just saying that to say, the byproduct of, I mean, somewhat of his playing style of protecting the ball these first four games as starters, a quarter starters, a quarterback. I mean, he has had no turnovers as an Nittany Lion. Astonishing! <laughs> it's really astonishing. So I'm, a, I'm good with that. There's a, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's a different equation for every outcome, right? And so, like, and that, like, for that outcome, like, the equation typically looks a little safer, more controlled, and sometimes it can be, you know, check down heavy. But not turning the ball over. Well, and for Penn State, listen, you're you're sitting at five and zero right now. You're in the bye week. You get a chance to regroup. The way I've looked at the way Aller in the passing game has performed is that for the most part, it's not been checkdowns. It's been dink and dunk, uh, which I know a lot of people probably don't love to hear. But you know, it's uh, the secondary playing back and trying to prevent the big play because they respect Drew's arm strength and I think they respect some of the weapons that Penn State has. And that's just starting to evolve at five weeks have now gone by. You're seeing him, especially the West Virginia game was a perfect case study. He worked underneath the coverage most of the game. And then when the pocket collapsed, he stepped up. He had that huge strike, the huge touchdown to Keandre Lambert-Smith was able to create in the pocket when the coverage was breaking down. Like he can do all those things. I think specifically, yes, the Northwestern game, I called him check down Charlie and I stand by that because he was doing that. But that was what he was getting. And it brings me to this question to you and we talked about it briefly in the recap show when Penn State went not necessarily no huddle but tempo try to pick things up try to get the ball out of Drew's hands within one to two seconds very much a pro style approach do you think that's best for this passing game once things get started again against UMass yeah I think anytime that you go into uh, say like a Ferrari type of offense where you're on the ball and you're moving and you're keeping the play clock on the defensive and keeping the defense on their heels and press. I think that's always a formative way of going out of defense, especially in the current age of college football. But to do that, you have to have a high level of execution, right? Like, I mean, that means everyone knows what exactly what's going on. Like the quarterback knows exactly what play to call. Like there's, there's some operational um, tactics in that, that, have to be cleaned up in order to run that offense continuously. But anytime that you get into those hurry up type of situations, the offenses that can actually execute that. I mean, that's where the Chip Kelly offenses come. The old um, Mike Leach offenses, like when they're just kind of on the ball and like operating like that. I think that's, it's a full team identity, not necessarily stick it here or there throughout the case of the game. 
But I think if they continue to work on that, that can be a, a viable weapon for the offense and not something that they can have in their back pocket to go against defenses. Because I know as a defensive back, I hate it going against offenses that won't hurry up. It just there's no ability to substitute. Uh, tough to catch your breath. And especially if it's a team that is physical at the point of attack and is physical, you know, makes you bring them down and not just finesse, trying to get the ball out of bounds, trying to get a couple spare yards here and there, but looks for contact. That's got to be no fun. No fun at all. You get, you get winded very quick. <laughs> um, this was another one from uh, at Robert Adams 6606, more of a statement than a question. I am happy that the buy is this week rather than before Ohio State buys don't always have a good effect on the next game so the bye week obviously we're in the midst of that then it's home against umass and then it's on the road against ohio state uh do you agree with that is it good to have the proverbial tune-up game against a, a low-level opponent like umass right before you play the big boys i think it is i mean bearing injury I, I definitely think it's always good to you know it's like i talk about heart in your knuckles right in a fight like making sure that you're coming off of the bye week going home having some some good food with the fam and, you know, get out there and get back into the swing of things. But definitely playing a team like UMass to make sure that those corrections that we went over during a bye week are cleaned up and we're feeling confident and ready to go into a battle with Ohio State the following week. Like our buddy Tyler Elsden puts on his tape, BKM, bloody knuckle mentality. We're big supporters of that. <laughs> <laughs> um what, one last thing here in a quick episode this week obviously it's it's the bye week we're all just we're all just chilling we're just dying for a game to come back um if you're in the position of the coaching staff and you do have a team that has you know a good amount of guys on the injury list bumps and bruises and it's umass it's a low level opponent um what do you trot out there like do you have to try and fully execute your offense to the best of your ability with the ones for the first two three quarters or is it something where it's like hey we're gonna sit the guys that maybe could use the extra week get ready for ohio state like not to not to discredit umass but do you treat this almost like an nfl preseason game no i think these guys have to come out and play they haven't played a clean enough game to where anyone can sit out live reps completely and get agree. better um so we talk about playing ohio state michigan trying to go to the playoffs i mean football is uh you have to have competitive stamina to play the game and that comes with the level of toughness playing through injuries along the way. It's not like the NBA where you have uh, load management per se, because you have to be comfortable hitting people. Like if you're just testing your, your wits the first time against some of the big boys, that's, that's not what you want to put on. That's not what you're going to want to put on film. So I'm a firm believer of guys getting out there and, and playing. I mean, NFL guys have preseason because they're professionals. These even though the NCAA is uh, up, up, uh, upside down, this is still not the professional skill level um, from a football player standpoint. So they should get out there making sure that things are clean, like forcing turnovers, working the pass rushes, getting the run game cleaned up, making sure that the offensive line is under under the same tutelage going across the board, make sure Drew's being sharp with his mental reps and his physical reps. Maybe Catron Allen, if there's a a... a a budge where he's on the fence of coming back and sitting out, he might be a player where I would say keep out for another week. But everybody else, get out there and get ready to go. And if Harrison Wallace needs that extra week or if he needs that week to, hey, he's healthy and ready to go and getting back into the lineup against a, guy, a team like UMass, that could be good for him. 
the receivers better. Nobody should be trying to sit out. Everybody should be trying to, Especially get, on to the, get get on the field and make a play because I think it's open season in that room. Uh, just taking a look at the Big Ten slate this weekend, Friday night, Nebraska visits Illinois. Then on Saturday, Maryland at number four, Ohio State. Rutgers at Wisconsin. Uh, Northwestern hosts Howard. Then Purdue visits Iowa, who just lost uh, quarterback Cade McNamara for the season. So you know, just an unfortunate year so far for the Hawkeyes. And then number two, Michigan on the road against Minnesota. That's at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night on NBC and Peacock. So, you know, that could be interesting for Michigan, but I – think the wolverines probably take care of business uh thank you all so much for joining us continue to send in your questions your comments anything you guys would like us to dive into in the next few days and we're all looking forward to next week penn state versus umass so thank you all so much for joining us uh, enjoy the quiet weekend you deserve it you deserve it thank you all so much for joining us this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on youtube apple podcasts spotify google podcasts tune in and wherever else you get your podcasts and of course let us know what you think of the show on twitter at the king one and at tom hannifin state of state is presented by bet online thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.